Yo, what's up, everybody? Welcome for another episode of Shade With Your Tea. It's your girl, Zoe. Um, thank you for coming back. I know it's a little crazy with this whole quarantine shit, but I got some real good shit for y'all this time. Um, I got two good friends of mine coming from some coffee and chaos. Why don't you guys introduce yourselves and tell them a little bit about yourselves in your show? I'm Ryan. So I'm one of the hosts for Coffee and Chaos. I am a 24-year-old mother to a baby boy and an aspiring teacher. Hey, everybody. I'm Tatiana, but you can call me Tati. I am also a mother to a beautiful little boy, Kamari, and I am an aspiring social worker. Okay, okay. Got some professionals over here. Okay. Everybody knows who I am. Just, you know, the grown hoe over here. So, um... Having two moms on the show is actually really, really cool, especially when you guys are so close to my age, um, because I want to talk about um, sex and technology and the danger for it for the youth, um, simply yes. because we all know my show, we talk about sex, and I try to educate people as much as possible, um, but I try to aim it towards the younger generation to know that it's okay to be sexual, but be smart and educated about it, um, but I wanted to talk about the pros and the cons of just sex and technology and just the exposure to it all in general. And you two being mothers of sons, I understand this is probably going to be like a huge, huge thing for you guys because I can't even imagine when you guys are going to have the sex talk. Oh, it's about to be scary. I'm stressed <laughs> about it already. I'm already stressed out. I can't even imagine like that conversation. Like I'm the oldest of six and having that conversation with my 18-year-old brother was weird because I'm looking at him and I'm just like, ew, like, you have sex is weird so like i can't even imagine having it as your son to like all right this is what mm-hmm. you're gonna do and and not even just like oh my god i can't even i won't even imagine it because that's pressure on you guys and i you know more power to you guys hopefully in the future when i have this situation you guys can tell me <laughs> the right and wrong ways to do it so um listen <laughs> oh my goodness yeah i, I am not ready like to cross that hour, bridge right? I would think so. I mean, I haven't been there yet. I'm still changing diapers. So, <laughs> I mean, but you know, like I like you said, you know, I'm a sibling of 8 and I have two brothers. One of them is really young, but my other brother is 19 and we were just talking something similar about this and the standards are just very different. So, I'm ready to yeah. get into it because I have a lot to say. Okay. I have a lot to say. So, we're going to focus on the concert right now because I mean, not the cons, the pros right now, because the cons, as I was doing research a couple of days ago, it went on and on and on. And I just got depressed more looking into it. So we're going to focus on some of the cons right now. I mean, some of the pros right now. And um, if you guys have anything as far as the input on that or anything further to elaborate on those, uh, feel free to say something. Or if you don't agree with it, please say something. Let's make it as argumentative as possible. But the first con that I happened to research was that sex ed is often left in the dark because proper education should be useful and open for kids from middle school to high school. Do you guys feel like that's appropriate? Yes. Okay. Mm. I feel... Well, I heard the dark. <laughs> Wait a minute. Do you mean left in the dark? Like, is being left in the dark appropriate or it's inappropriate for them to be left in the dark? It's left in the dark now. Like, the proper sex education that we have in the school systems is, I mean, 
from me being in high school, I didn't even, I barely learned anything as far as like yeah. sex ed. Yeah, so, so I do agree right. with that. Proper education. I agree with that. I think when I think about um, sex education, when I was in school, I felt like it was also like often taught by your gym teacher. And um, yes. one of my aunts is actually a physical education teacher for students. And so half her year is health and then half her year is gym. And I'm not saying that a gym teacher is not qualified to teach you sexual health, but I feel like it's a very curriculum based. Here's this textbook. Here's what you need to teach them. Um, shoot this information out at them and keep it moving. And I think because of that, it leaves students in the dark. I don't ever remember learning about the emotional aspect of sex. I just learned that if you have sex without a condom, you get STDs, you get pregnant, that's it. And then that was the end of the discussion, mainly because the students felt comfortable. Teachers don't want to step on parents' toes and give them too much information. So I definitely think as far as our education system goes and sexual health and education, it's lacking big time. I mean, absolutely. And then you have to just think about what's a mature age? Because when you're teaching in school, sometimes kids are not ready. Sometimes they're really immature and they're joking the whole time. And teachers are stressed. I can only imagine trying to teach something as serious as sexual education. And these kids are laughing the entire time and they're missing the point. So I definitely do think it's left in the dark, but I also think it's important. So why not just go there? It needs to be its own curriculum. I definitely think it needs its own um, subject for sure. Absolutely. I feel like as far as the school system goes, if you and if they want to start it in middle school, you should make it age appropriate all the way up to high school. Um, Simply why I say that's because things as far as middle school, things start happening to our bodies. We start getting more curious. You know, we're going through puberty. People get periods, you know, that kind of stuff. So, like, it's nice to know that kind of stuff and not just be like, oh, my God, what the hell is happening to me? and not knowing what's going on instead of like how I was in high school, we got a video and it was one day you watched the stupid video. He gave you like a little quiz on it. And then he was done. He, he didn't talk about anything else for the rest of the year. Like it was just, if you, whatever you learned out that video is whatever you got. And that's that. Right. When I think about like what I learned as far as sexual education goes, I'm thinking of a timeline in my head, as you said, high school. And I remember in fifth grade, I watched a video about, They separated the boys and the girls in fifth grade. They had us watch this video about getting your period and they taught us how to put a pad on. But that's a part of sexual education, too, because now you're ovulating, which means you're now able to get pregnant. And I think sometimes as a future educator and being in a school system and in a district, you come in contact with parents and you never know if you're crossing a boundary or not. But then I also think that we're obligated to not necessarily cross a boundary, but do as much as we can because we're with your kids for anywhere between eight to 10 hours out of the day. So, right. And school, school is where you learn. That's where you're taught everything as far as getting out into the world, getting a job, learning how to do things appropriately. And it's important that teachers should have certain rights to educate your students, especially if you're properly trained. If a teacher is properly trained to teach my child about sex and it makes my job a little easier as the parent, go for it. Be my guest. But you know what you also have to think? like But as an educator, you also have to think, and this is something that I often think about too, and even though I want to teach English, it's across the board, is that 
every student does not come from the same household. So you may be thinking that they're getting proper education at home and they could be in a foster home or they could be at home with an abuser or they could be at home with a nanny and the parents are never home and it's not the nanny's job to teach them. And so then everybody puts it off. It's not my job. It's not my place. It's not my job. And then they wonder why we have these sexually irresponsible young adults you know or or the youth like what what happens when they're 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 risky and they have risky behavior just because everybody's thinking well it's not me or they'll find out or they'll know and that's not necessarily the case because i see you eight to ten hours out of the day but i don't know what happens when you leave the school building so Mm -hmm. i can't assume that they're still receiving that proper education at home in any capacity especially sexual health yes um i used to um back like maybe a couple years ago i was like uh a camp counselor and I used to do uh I had like a little like setup with Planned Parenthood and I would have her come in every like every other Wednesday and I had the oldest group and I had like I want to say the ages from like 10 to like 12 and like 10 to 12 is like that's prime middle school <laughs> that's like oh boys are cute but yep. boys are ugly and oh girls are this like that's that age so what I did was I had like this little like meeting with the parents and I was just like listen like I know it may not be my place but you know hygiene is becoming a thing and it's summertime and all that kind of stuff so I kind of use it as a way like oh I'm gonna open the door to have these lessons I'm gonna separate the boys and the girls I did like permission slips and everything just so the parents know that like you know I'm aware of it I want them to be aware of it and I want the parents to know that I'm not sneaking behind their back I feel like a lot of parents or not even a lot of parents a lot of teachers don't want to go the extra mile because they don't want to have to deal with the parents going it's not your place i don't want you to do that or they just don't want to get shut down so they think that Mm -hmm. if we just completely avoid it right they'll learn it somewhere else and this is why we're having this conversation now because like when we go through the cons list and we start seeing what kids are learning through tv and through videos and through just the internet it's like what are we going to do now like do we put it in the books for school and fight all these parents that's going to be like, oh, it's not their place. And, the you know, they throw in the religion card. Or do we allow these kids to become exposed to more damaging things? Right. And I think the mm-hmm. more we, you know, and I don't ever want to step on the toes of somebody's religion or their values within their family. But I think you also have to live in a realist world. And you may be at home sheltering your kids from this. But then you create sneaky kids who only turn to the Internet or they turn to their friends and they're not getting the mm-hmm. proper helpful information. They're getting misinformation from kids that are equally as unguided as them. Mm-hmm. And speaking on religion, you know, I just have to go back and remember when I was in high school and, you know, elementary, junior high school, I went to Catholic school for a long period of time. Same. So I was taught the Catholic school way, you know, abstinence, don't right. have sex until right. you're married, you know, um, be appropriate, you know, make sure you're not wearing, you know, short things. So I think overall sexual health is basic, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, sex is sex. It doesn't matter what religion, it doesn't matter what race, it does not matter. At the end of the day, sex is sex. And it doesn't occur to some people that even though you practice a certain religion as an adult, your children may not understand how serious that religion is at the time. And so they're exploring, they're going out there. They have friends who don't practice the same faith that their parents do, you know, and you have to guide these children. You have to teach them the dangers of what sex is, because there are so many things that 
come with having sex. It's not just the act itself. It's the aftermath. It's the things that can happen to you. It's the way it can affect your body emotionally. Sex is not just the act at all. And I think children need to really understand that because it's important to know, okay, you have sex, but there are consequences. You know? Right, right, right. So I definitely think religion comes into a huge factor and it, it just needs to be known that it does not matter what you practice, what you believe in, sex is sex and it comes with all kinds of oh yeah, all kinds of um <laughs> <everything>. consequences. <laughs> um, okay, so we're transition to the second um pro that I did end up finding, um, is that um I don't know if you guys know or heard about this but a couple years ago it's been like i guess it was like a petition to start putting um the lgbtq community's history in the books in new jersey Mm -hmm. in the history book in the history books Mm -hmm. um so it's been a debate because a lot of people think that it's you know it shouldn't be it's not a part of history and stuff like that um and obviously it's a lot of people that's within that community that feel that, you know, as strongly as it should be, it should be a part of it. Do you feel like it should be a part of the sex education curriculum as well? Yes. Um, I have, okay. So I have mixed feelings about it being included in the curriculum and not because I don't think that the, that LGBTQ history also think it depends on who's teaching it. Right. And so, um, to answer the first question, I do think it should be included in sex ed classes because to think that everybody's going to be in a heterosexual relationship mm-hmm. is unfair and it's biased to, to think that. When you may have students that are lesbian or they're gay, they could be transitioning you know, to female or male. And if you're only showing scenarios that include a um, heteronormative male and female then that's unfair you're excluding an entire group of people and you don't have the right to do that right and with that being said i think that also plays into having it in the curriculum um in schools in general because if you get a teacher that strongly disagrees with lgbtq history their bias is going to be all through their their curriculum and their teachings and Mm. when you think about when we start learning about certain histories kids are so malleable and their minds are so impressionable. They're just sponges. And if you have people that are spewing hate as they teach this history, or you can just tell that their vibe is off, they absorb that. If you think about how much black history we've learned in school um, as, as African-American females, if you've had that teacher who wasn't really excited to talk about black history and the positives that blacks have done, but we can celebrate Thanksgiving and wear feathers, you know what I mean? Like that's Mm -hmm. offensive if you really want to think about it. But when you have those teachers who don't think about how it could be affecting people, they teach it with their opinions in mind. And so while I do think it's important, I don't know that every teacher should be chosen to teach that curriculum because it's not going to be portrayed the way it should be. Right. And I mean, I, I want to go against you just a little bit because I feel like like your point about Black History Month, right? I've definitely had teachers who have taught it with enthusiasm and, you know, respect for the culture, whether they are a part of the culture or not. Um, And I think that it's important to say that regardless of whether you fit the curriculum or the category of the curriculum, um, you should still be able to know about it. You should still be educated on the history of things because that is how you learn. That is how you go forward. And that's how we make the present what it is today. 
I think that the history is very important because if you go back in time to history on the LGBTQ community, a lot of people were a part of that community. It just was not talked about. It was silenced. It was put to the back burner. You know, people were shamed for it. People were killed in back in the day. You know, people were literally murdered for coming out as, you know, a lesbian or a gay man or, you know, um, transgender, whatever their choice was, people were shamed, murdered, killed, anything like that for those reasons. And I think that if our students had that knowledge, it would give them a little more room to to wonder, you know, to question, to think, to ask these, you know, I to wonder what the idea was back then. Like, why was it silence? Why is that such a, you know, a secret? Why was it so hard to be proud of who you are? <laughs> and so if, it, if it's put in our curriculum, it only can spark more change. And that's just me. I think that it doesn't matter whether the teacher believes it or not, because I was always that student to challenge the teacher. If I saw a teacher was like, well, this is just not okay. This is not, but I'm not saying that. Oh, well, why don't you feel that way? But what's wrong with somebody having their freedom to be who they are? You're who you are. You're married to your husband or your wife or whatever the case is. Why can't this person be with who they want to be with? So to put it in a curriculum and give students the opportunity to question the history, I think it's perfect. It gives room for people to understand the difference in what we've overcome as a world and a nation from years before. So for me, I would say put it in the curriculum. If it doesn't work out, then it doesn't work out. But at least we can't say we didn't try it. And, and that's just me, you know. That's just me. Okay. Okay. I mean, the only reason why I brought it up is because um, it is something that's the reality. It's, it's 2020. This is a norm now. A lot of people are coming out and a lot of people are going through the transition of, and the, the ages of these kids that are coming out or going through transitions are getting younger and younger. And if they're not properly taught about what it is, they're making life-changing decisions or putting themselves in harm's way because we still have tons of ignorant people that don't understand, don't want to understand, fear what they don't know, and they lash out at these kids. But if they're not properly taught because of whatever they're being taught at home and they're not giving a different alternative of how they're supposed to be viewing these types of people, all we're doing is raising ignorant people. Just like in Texas, they're yeah. taking out uh, slavery in the textbooks completely it never happened to kids in texas mm. but that's how they that's how they're teaching it so right. then when people bring it up it's like that's not what happened that's not what i was taught but you were taught wrong you know what i mean like it's right. just it's so much things that we could <clears throat> fight for to just have a better knowledge for kids just we all have to have that same idea and same mentality right. And if we fight this hard for black people, why can't we fight for the LGBT community as well? Like, why do they have to be put on the back burner? Even absolutely. I've been put on the black burner for years, but I'm just saying. Like, <laughs> no, I absolutely agree. Okay. And that was a good example. Like, you know, Texas taking out slavery from their textbooks. But see, that's what I mean, right? So you have a group of people deciding how they want to teach a narrative. And okay. so you may have those students that give you pushback. And they may question you, but then you also have the students that don't question you. Or you have those students that are so concerned with the grade that if they feel that they go against you, that they'll be penalized for it. And so I think it's also knowing your students. And you don't know them until your class starts. But yeah. if you put your black son or daughter in a classroom in Texas where they're taking out slavery and they're learning about slavery at home and now you're acting like there wasn't an entire race of people enslaved, you're now <laughs> learning through the lens of someone else. So are you mm -hmm. actually being given mm -hmm. the opportunity to question if you're learning through their lens or are you just going to fake school, play school and just get through the class? You know what I mean? 
So that's exactly. just, I think that's something to take into consideration. Who are, who, whose hands are you putting this curriculum into? Whose hands are you saying here, go teach them about this? Because when you as a district hand these teachers this curriculum and say, here, teach them about LGBTQ, you're not screening these teachers for biases and um, whether or not they're going to spew ignorant facts. I've I've gone toe-to-toe with the teacher before just about, you know, the amount of white and black people that are on welfare and how the numbers actually don't reflect more black people being on welfare. And they disputed me, but there was nobody from a higher office to be in that classroom to tell that professor they were wrong. You know what I mean? And so that's what right. makes me fearful. Who's going to tell these teachers who are against what they're teaching not to input their own opinions or their own hearsay. That's what's frightening for younger kids. You know what I mean? Especially those mm-hmm. who aren't equipped to go toe to toe with a teacher. That's all. Or just don't know that they're being. Yeah. Or just don't know. Um, all right. So. Uh, sad to say that's kind of one of the only two or three uh, things that I did learn as far as like a pro, um, you know, supposedly there are some schools that do have the sex ed curriculum that teaches like a proper um you know contraceptive thing but i was never taught that i've even asked um my brother during his health class they don't teach them about like the proper and all the alternatives as far as sex you know with condoms and all that kind of stuff um so that's something we definitely need to put into the curriculum but if we're going to talk about um some cons we're definitely going to talk about um one thing i definitely heard is the first exposure to porn is at the age of 11 for both male and female i can believe that i remember i went to one of my friends sweet 16s and we went to her house after and her little brother had porn playing on the tv like he bought it like he bought so much of it (laughs) i mean I just, I just want to say, like, you know, something I was just thinking about while you guys were just talking just now. My mind just started roaming with all these thoughts. And my biggest question is, I think as parents, when is the appropriate time to discuss all of these topics with your Ooh, children? Because you mentioned contraception. <laughs> okay, girl, listen, see, I'm, I'm right Go there on. with you because I'm just, yeah, because I'm just saying, you know, like, okay, if these kids at 11 years old, that's young. To me, that's, that's young. young. And if... If these kids are watching porn, pornography at 11, what they doing when they go outside? <laughs> because now you've been exposed. Now you've been exposed. And we all know, I think you can, we can all say you've seen a few pornos here and there. And they're explicit. They're wild. They don't, they don't have no limits. You know, yeah. they're not blocking anything out. There's no blurred pictures in porn. It's right. all full blown there for you to see. Right. So if your child is watching porn at 11, right? What are what else are they doing when they're out with their friends or when they're at school or when they're in their sporting events? What are these kids doing? I think it's a couple things. I, I, and I'm only going to speak from my own personal experience and like stories that I've shared with other friends and like, you know, just in conversation. The first thing is, I think parents need to stop shielding and it starts very basic. So when's the like the question is, when do you start telling them? I think it's yep. a gradual buildup over the years. Yeah. I don't think that one day you can just say, okay, you're about to hit puberty, you have breasts and nipples and a vagina and a penis, and then just go into it. I think when your kids are old enough to notice that they have body parts that are similar, different from yours, you start with that. One of my little cousins could tell you that he came from his mom's vagina. Obviously, his mom didn't go into 
the sex aspect of it, but he knew how to name body parts. Then when you get older and you start to hit puberty or that when your daughter starts to get her cycle, then you start talking about what that is. Don't just say you have your period, you're a woman now. You're ovulating. You have eggs. That leads to reproducing. Like I think it's a gradual buildup. And then once they get to that age, where you want to be sexually explorative or you hear things from your friends. Cause when I think about the first time I saw porn, I wasn't looking it up because I wanted to see people have sex. I Googled something. I heard my cousin's friend say, and a porn showed up. Right. It wasn't because I was looking to find out a sexual position or whatever. And I'm not even going to lie to you and tell you what I like, what it was I was looking up. Cause I don't remember, but I remember my older cousin and his friend saying something and I got on the computer and I looked it up and then a porn came up and I watched it. And it wasn't like it gave me sexual feelings that I would get now, but I was watching it like, okay, like what the hell? Like I, I wasn't turning away, but I also was just confused. It wasn't like I was watching it to learn. how yeah, to have cur- sex. Yeah, curiosity, curiosity though. And and for me, I think, like, I, I don't disagree with you at all. I definitely agree 100%. But I would take it a little further and say, I wish that my mom didn't wait until I started my period to tell me about those things. Exactly. Because that I was two steps behind in being prepared for what my body was already experiencing in that very moment. Yes, right. I think when and it's different for when you have a daughter and when you have a son it's very different i think females need to be educated a little sooner than males on their bodies because females experience maybe 10 times more change than males do when it comes to the development of your body and the sensations and you know because obviously we know when we ovulate as women we're a little more aroused by things you know our bodies are heightened our senses are heightened and we experience things that we don't even know what's going on you know what i'm saying like being a young girl you didn't understand why the hell your drawers was wet you don't get it you don't know you know what i mean like it just doesn't come to you at and i'm being real i'm trying to be so real and serious though i don't want to seem like i'm trying to be funny because at the end of the day i feel feel like thinking back to when i was younger I didn't right. understand what that really meant. You know, I right. didn't understand it. I wish I had known back then what that meant because I could have made myself way more prepared yeah. for what my body was going through. And right. I think as a female, it's different because boys, they just get hard at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Like that's all they know. And they know that they they feeling like they need to do something about it. You know what I mean? And I'm not a man, so I can't speak to all of it. I've never been a little boy. I don't know what it's like to be a, a teenage boy. I can't tell you. I know what it's like to be a teenage girl though. I know what it's like to start experiencing things in my mind uh, and not acting on everything. Thing. You know? It is. Oh, a, completely. Um, another Definitely. thing is it's a early it's just it's early exposure to like you said earlier just wild wild behavior and violent behavior especially the impressions on young men because um this outside of porn children are just exposed to sexual content every day whether it's music absolutely whether it's commercials or tv shows or videos i mean we don't really make videos like that no more but like you know when there was videos we were exposed to a lot of stuff that was very degrading and i can't even imagine what it felt like being a young boy at an age like that and seeing grown-ass men treat women a certain way because it was sexual so just adding Mm, that adding porn on top of it and porn doesn't teach you intimacy or anything like that it shows you rough um 
just wild, mm-hmm. violent ways towards get in, get into it, it says like, tell it, that it, truth. It exposes certain things and certain practices that are unsafe, and it strengthens like sexual violence in young men. And then they absolutely project that onto young women because remember at that age, not saying that at eleven, but I'm just saying at a young age, men are starting to ask about pictures and videos and stuff like that you think we're coming up with that shit on our own no so i'm just saying all that exposure to it is right at their fingertips is right at their you know tv screens is right at their you know laptops or whatever it's just showing them a whole nother world of what sex is and if like i said going back to the whole sex education if we went further into it and we taught them the proper ways, especially women we taught women how to properly advocate for themselves we wouldn't have these right. issues with the whole with the whole, you know, rapes and the, you know, the certain... Yeah, certain, you took the words like, out of my mouth. It's certain things that are just, like, categories and sex. Like, have you looked at, you know, categories of sex now? Like, some of the things are just the weirdest things. Like, why is rape and incest a category and sex? A category, right. And I was going to say, like, even when you talk about sex ed, and I think about what's also portrayed in porn, consent is never taught in sexual education. Never. I don't ever remember sitting through a, a, a lecture or whatever you want to call it, a class where they talked about what consent actually means. And I think considering that we're in 2020 now and they're still not, now they play this video, if you don't ask for and, and it's not your cup of tea. But wait, They play it now, but they don't play it and I'm, a, I'm Right, but go back to that real quick and just think about it. I don't know if you experienced this, but I know I did. When I got to college, when I got to college, being an adult is when they started teaching you that, like when we was in the dorms, for instance, they taught us about the, um, you know, don't drink the milk, drink, don't drink the cookies or whatever. Like you said, don't drink the tea, whatever. Um, and that was when we learned about that. That was when we had the little segment about consent then. You know, if it's if it's no or if it's not a full yes or, if, you know, like those are the things we learned in college. I'm like, wait, hold up. So people only have sex in college now. Like, is that when you start sex? Because last I checked, no, it starts way sooner than that. And I definitely, definitely agree with you when you say that it's something that you don't get taught early and you should. You just should. But you don't hear about it until right. way, way past the time that until you know, you've late. already done until until it's too late. late. Right. And when you think about what's shown in porn, you see very submissive women. You see a a very Mm -hmm. particular style of women. Mm -hmm. It's very cookie cutter. And that just in itself perpetuates body image distortion amongst men and women. Because now you're looking for this particular type of woman that has this super waxed, pink, no blemishes, vaginas and bodies and whatever else. And that cre- that further perpetuates the violence, too, because when you're not looking like these people in these videos and you think that you can treat women any kind of way and it just leads it. It's just a segue to a whole lot of things. Like I think about how deep they go into drugs and how marijuana is a gateway drug. But what do you ever talk about the gateways to sexual violence or <laughs> the lack of sexual health? Like there's never a, a conversation about that. Like, never. OK, marijuana is a gateway drug. OK, so what's the entryway? to men becoming, you know, rapists. Like what like what are we doing to perpetuate that? Because rape culture and rape in this society is so prevalent, it's disgusting. Even the whole like just to bounce off the whole like the body thing, it, it causes sexual harassment as well and bullying. Because then you see these types of women on porn that are just, you know, sensationalized and then you, you know, a boy in middle school 
and you see these girls and they look nothing like what you see on the thing and you kind of like you feel that urge to poke at them and that's when the whole bullying comes into thing and that's why we got girls that are bulimic and have anorexic pro- like it's just all these things that you know absolutely into what they're exposed to because what they think is normal for what women are supposed to look right. like and then when you jump into the whole like rape culture and stuff like that let's talk about pedophilia because we have also categories with teenage girls and all that kind of stuff like why is all that kind of stuff exposed to young thing and you know they have the the whole disclaimer like if you're 18 and plus you can enter if you're not leave but what is that really doing like honestly right what is that really doing mm-hmm. for anything it's not stopping a young kid from going and exposing himself to and anything. and and you talk you want to talk about pedophilia and porn you if you I, I want y'all when y'all done like when we're done with this segment today i want y'all to go on a porn site real quick just to educate yourself real quick and look at the different categories that there are and you're gonna see i guarantee you if you don't see it you're gonna prove me wrong but i promise you you're gonna go in and you're gonna see a, a category that's talking about young young virgin yeah. gets her yeah. first you know and i'm like well, what the fuck? Like, why the fuck is that a part of right. porn? Like, we need, like, young slut. Like, okay, why she gotta be a slut? Like, you know what I'm saying? And so it, it just it just degrades women altogether. And you never see, oh, young virgin, and there's a male. It's never a male. Never. I don't think I've ever seen it, and it says young virgin, and it's a male. You know, it's always a female. And so I think, for instance, porn definitely, um, you know, has a huge, huge role in pedophilia and rapist and things like that because i think it perpetuates an image like you said you know young boys look at these videos of these models and there's only one body type there's only one body type and it's usually big titties big ass (laughs) flat stomach you know she has no blemishes no pimples no scars her body's perfect and that's what young boys see. And like you said, then that ties right into bullying. And they're like, oh, well, girl, you ugly or you skinny or you ain't got no ass or you ain't got no... Like, okay, And so it doesn't what? even stop at middle school. It goes all the way up to now. Now! Grown, that shit happens grown ass men. Grown ass about... men still comparing you to a damn Kardashian. Mm-hmm. And her body's not even built like that. But yet right. here we are comparing ourselves to Photoshop. Like, what are we doing? She... She bought hers. And it, but it, it, it happens now, and I was going to say that. I was like, <laughs> if you think about what, um, not even, I don't even want to just say porn, but if you think about what, what a sex symbol looks like, or you see, like, video vixens. I know videos are not, like, a huge thing now, but Instagram models. Let's bring it up to 2020, right? IG models mm-hmm. that are super curvy, no blemishes, no stretch marks. And it's like, that's not your reality. But I think about what I was going through a time, which was not many years ago, so very current. I'm not going to say like it was 10 years ago, maybe three or four years back. And I just was super unhappy with my body and I knew what I was aspiring for. And it wasn't a realistic image. And I was very single at the time. Mm-hmm. Right. So I'm like, okay, well, I know I'm going to look for a guy and they're going to want me to have a flat stomach, but I still need to keep my ass. And how can I fade these stretch marks? And how can I take these supplements without letting my vagina dry out? Like it's stuff like that. And it's a real thing. And that's all of the images girl. that are perpetuated in porn and on internet searches. And we're teaching that to young kids. And I say we, because as a society, we're held accountable, right? Yes. Anybody that's younger mm-hmm. than us looking at this and properly educating them, we are a liability. We're not an asset to them. We're hurting them because we're not mm-hmm. teaching them that these are yep. unrealistic views. Listen, 
Couldn't agree at, more. At all. This was that was a perfect statement because all that did was just sum up what our world is right now. Like we don't go by natural beauty or anything like that. Everything has to be at a certain standard. We have to be this perfect big butt, big boobs, tight stomach, all this kind of, like, but that's not realistic at all. But nobody wants to admit that. Right. It's like you, you don't get all the you don't get the, the fat ass is. without the stretch marks. I don't I have an ass, but I got stretch marks and I have cellulite. And it's cute and okay. sometimes it's not. But that's for me to decide. That's not for somebody else to decide. But we don't teach our youth that. And when they Google and they look things up on their phones or their tablets, they're definitely not being taught that. They're being given these images of what they're supposed to look for. And then you have these young girls trying to fit these unrealistic images to please these young men who are equally as uneducated. And I don't just blame, I don't want it to make it sound like it's a male bashing thing because it's a female thing as well. Like we're not teaching our young girls that you don't have to have this size six or I don't know, curvy's in now, right? So plus size, the new Uh thing. Like to have these super curves with the big butts and the big boobs with the flat stomach. We're not teaching them that. We're like, oh, how can we do this 30 day cleanse to achieve that? That's all they see. And even if they're not looking it up on their phones, they're watching you do it at home. I mean, my Ace is at the age where he's 11 months old, so he's not seeing me. Well, what is he going to do, you know, when he's older and he's watching me prepare to get ready to go out somewhere for three hours at a time, putting on girdles or whatever? Or Aaron's going through three or four outfits because he's trying to go out to look good. It's like, okay, are you getting dressed for you or are you getting dressed for somebody else? And I think that goes back to sex education and everything it's okay to be sexually free if you're doing it for yourself if you are gaining pleasure from it and i don't mean sexually irresponsible because there's a difference if you are doing things to satisfy yourself in any capacity whether it's clothing the act of sex itself whatever that's one thing but if you're going to conform to what somebody else is asking you to do then we have not done our jobs because now we're creating sexually irresponsible people Okay, so then Absolutely. at what age do you believe? Because now that, you know, we've opened the door for such education, like knowing the basics, knowing, you know, condoms and the LGBTQ community and all that kind of stuff, right. whatever. At what age do you open the door to teach people, not just kids anymore, just teach people in general, that there's different kinds of way to express yourself through sex. And I'm talking about like kinks and fetishes and stuff like that. Because the only reason why I open that door is because Ooh. opening this, just having this podcast alone, I've learned so much. Simply because when I used to hear about some of this stuff, I used to be like, mm, white people shit. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't open that door. Oh, shit. I didn't even peek into the door. Oh, I, just, I was like, oh, that's a white girl. Mm-mm, not doing it. So. Now that I'm learning about it and I'm seeing it just, it's everyone. It's not just a white person thing. When do you open that door to proper, properly educate, let's just say people of color, people of color, that it's not just a white people thing, right. that you're not weird because you like certain things. When do you open that up? Do we make that a curriculum? Do we make that just like a, a thing? Like how do we properly Ooh. educate you know, everyone else? I don't know that I would make that, I would say make that a curriculum only because sexual... Maybe, Maybe in I, would, I want to say like the kinks and fetishes aspects of it. I would not make that a curriculum. But when I think of like sex toys, like vibrators and things like that for masturbation right. and pleasuring yourself, I think that's a conversation that goes hand in hand with sexual education. Because if you can put in a segment about abstinence 
in a society where you know abstinence is a rarity. And I'm not saying that it doesn't happen, but there are a vast majority that do not abstain. But maybe if they right. knew that it was okay and acceptable for them to pleasure themselves and masturbation is not something that is so taboo, then maybe we wouldn't have as many cases of teen pregnancy. Yes, it's decreased, but maybe we wouldn't have teen pregnancy. Maybe we wouldn't have the spread of STDs because they know there's another outlet. But I think it's still looked at as such a taboo thing that you, oh my God, you want to use a vibrator? Oh my God, you masturbate? But yeah, I'd rather do that than have my 15-year-old come home with herpes. And that's the realization of it. There are kids that are 13, 14, 15 having sex. And unfortunately, like I said, if they're with their teachers 8 to 10 hours out of the day... So do you buy your do you buy your thirteen year old a vibrator? You don't buy your thirteen year old a vibrator. No, but I think no. you tell your no, no, no. I don't think we go that far. I would buy my thirteen no, year old a vibrator. Listen, the but only I reason shame them for masturbating Wait. either. Yeah. Okay, and that's what I was about to say. That's what I was about to say. There, there are limits. You know, I wasn't exposed to those kind of things until I was an adult, right. very, you know, grown. But at the same time, I feel like if my daughter comes home and now she knows about them, then what do I say? Because if I have them, right, if I own them and they're in my home where my children live and my children now say, oh, ma, you know, I, I know about vibrators now. Tell me about it. Do I educate my daughter but tell her, no, you can't have one of those? I don't you know, think like, you what, say How no, does that work? How does one? that I think, And I'm not... I feel like some parents are very extra. So you get those parents that do stuff. Like even when you get your period, like you want me to show you how to use a tampon? No, sis. I ain't ask you for all of that. Yeah, no. But I think for me personally, if I had a daughter and that was the case, I would say, listen, a vibrator is, you know, they come in different sizes, colors, whatever. And you use them to self-pleasure. I don't believe you're at the age to use a vibrator. But if you have that relationship with your child, and I hope that I do, for them to be like, listen, I've touched myself before. What am I going to say? Don't touch yourself. Because if you don't do it, you might be letting little Billy in school mm -hmm. touch it. And I'd rather you be touching yourself mm -hmm. than to let mm -hmm. somebody else touch it. Because I wish my mom or someone, even if she felt uncomfortable, that she would have had somebody comfortable enough to send me to to explain it. Because... I remember being in sixth grade and this boy asked to finger me in the back of math class. And I was like, what? And he, oh. at first he phrased it like, let me park my Hummer in your garage. And I was like, what the fuck are you? I will never oh, forget. <laughs> I will never forget. And I was wow. like, what? And he was like, you know what I'm talking about. He was like, let me put my fingers there. And I was like, no. And I got teased for it because all the girls were going to the back of math class to go get fingered by a boy. They thought they were cute. And I refused. I what? refuse, and I will I, never forget. Girl, I don't know what school you went to, but I don't like that school. <laughs> I was in. I will not be sending my future. I was in school. sixth grade, though. You know what I mean. So it's just like Oof. that's not something that I would want. And so I'd much rather know. I even Ace, if Ace discovered that he could masturbate, I'd much rather you be like, "Listen, I'm going. I need thirty minutes in my room or whatever," as opposed to you getting caught up with somebody's kid, getting in trouble, and then it just turns into a whole different ballgame. You have legal aspects yeah, and stuff God. like that. Like, it's a whole conversation. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know that I would hand them a pocket pussy or a damn dildo, but <laughs> 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 what I'm saying is, I think that 
that's a whole nother, but I think it's something that definitely needs to right be discussed there, right? and not shame like I don't want to be in a household where my kids are afraid to come to me to talk about something sexually because I know how scared I was to discuss it and it led to me being so Shit. sneaky and right. dealing with things that I wasn't ready for emotionally physically because I that feared happens. getting in trouble and being judged over being educated and that's a problem me too I, and and i think like now being a mom and then growing up you know as the child i definitely want to have an open household like if my kids feel like there's something that they don't understand or they want to know more about it and i feel you're appropriate your age appropriate enough to hear it i'm gonna tell you and i'm gonna keep it very real and i'm not giving nothing no pet name so we not gonna name nothing no kitty no your vagina and your penis is this that or the third and and I'm going to tell you what it is because it's important for your children to be educated at home. So when they go out in these streets and they experiencing people who are telling them things that may not actually be true or accurate, they know the truth. So when they hear something that don't really sound right, they could go back, even if they don't say it out loud in their heads, they know like, nah, my mom has right. told me something right. completely different. And I, I would hope that my kids would know that I wouldn't lie to them. I want to have that kind of relationship with my children to know I would never tell you a lie to, you know, send you out here unprepared for life because let's just be real. It's 2020 and things have changed. Mm -hmm. Things have completely changed. I think that's the difference between like how we were raised and how these kids now are being raised is that we weren't exposed to as much as everyone else was. So like having that conversation with your kid is such a crucial thing because that's why I actually like, that's why you, when you said that, Oh, like at what age, do you bring that conversation up? It's a real, like, it's a real question because now that you have kids and you're in 2020, we're not in the 90s like we right. were. <laughs> when do you bring up that conversation to be like, this is what this is, this is what this is, this is what sex is, this blah, blah, blah whatever. How do you open that door and I mean, to do all that? Because to be honest work. with you, when I was a kid, I didn't have that conversation with my mom. I was well, terrified when I, I had that conversation. I, I think, wasn't exposed to sex I think until you, that, you guys. Like, you know, and I'm being real. I, Ooh, you guys exposed me to the whole story. Wait a minute. I was like, oh, this is what we're doing? Yes. But see, Ooh. even that, right? So I went to our first year romance party with Elle. And at first, you know, it wasn't, I don't want to say it was, well, yes, I will say that it was uncomfortable because it wasn't something that I was so used to a group of women openly discussing. And yes, we were the younger, the youngest ones there, but the more she educated us and we got more toys. And I know for me, I experimented with more toys found out my body could do stuff that I didn't know it could do, but I'd rather, but I'd rather go through that experience knowing that I'm properly educated than rather it happened with somebody else. And then they're like, well, what's going on now? I'm freaked out. You're freaked out. I don't know if this is right. Then you're embarrassed. And then it just comes out of the time. Like then you start to come out of that embarrassment, even going to the gynecologist now. Like I know some people shudder at the thought of talking about their gynecologist. I will talk to you about my gynecologist all day long because it's a part of sexual health. It's okay to go and be honest with your doctors. (laughs) And I think that's a conversation that needs to be had too. Like, if you're not honest with your parents, at least be honest with a medical professional. Because if you need some help, you can't be out here lying. You can't be out here embarrassed. Yep. And, and you, 
And you know what? Just to be honest with you, like on a serious note about that too, it's like if you go to the gynecologist, right? I know we've all experienced this as females, especially when we're young. You know, our parents are right there in the room the whole time. We, even our regular physicians right there in the room with you. Right. And the doctor says, are you sexually right. active? And the, the crickets just hit <laughs> instantly. Like, you know, and you looking at your mom, you looking at your doctor, you looking at she yourself looking at and you, you like, like now nah, I know I am. Yeah, and you know, you got to sit there and lie because you know damn right. well if but you I tell think, the truth, I that's your Being ass. fearful, to, that's, that's a ass. problem. And, we need to stop is we need to stop associating sex with yes. fear when it comes to younger children and or the youth. I don't want to keep saying children. People assume that I'm talking about elementary school kid, like five years old. I mean, when they're at, when they've reached sexual maturity and you know that this is going to start becoming a thing, that's what always baffled me because I know that both of my parents had two different reactions when they found out I was sexually active. My mom hit the roof. She went off. She was yelling. She was cursing. Then she embarrassed me by calling and telling my whole family. Now they looking at me crazy. And I, that's a whole nother conversation because I feel like black parents do that often. Um, mm-hmm. But told the whole family, All you know time. what I mean? And then I was fearful, to be honest. And then I just remember dad came to me and he said, listen. And he said, well, you know, I don't really want to ask you this, but how many people have you been sexually active with? And at that time, it was two people. And he said, are you properly protecting yourself? And I said, yes. Um, one person was a lie, so I wasn't. But then he said, do you want to get on birth control? And I said, yes. And that was it. It wasn't a huge screaming match. He made it a very comfortable situation, so comfortable to the point that I know that if I would have lied to him and said, no, I'm not sexually active, and he would have found out, he would have been more hurt and disappointed than angry. And after that, I went and got on birth control and I followed the proper precautions. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like I followed, and that was it. He wasn't prying. I wasn't out here sneaking, but it also, it was his approach. Cause when I was at home with my mom, I was sneaking. I was sneaking. I was leaving during three periods at school. I was supposed to be going Mm -hmm. to tutor. I was at my little boyfriend's house being grown. You know what I mean? But I was always being sneaky about it. And once it got to the point where my dad asked me and it was out, I wasn't sneaking nowhere. It was like if I dated, I dated. Because there, there was no, there was nothing to hide, you know? So it's a terrible thing. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, so we're going to start wrapping this up a little bit. Um, the last questions I did want to ask you was, what do you define as safe sex practice? Safe sex practice. Hmm. For me, I personally think it depends on where you where you're talking about safe sex. If you're with somebody and you're able to protect yourself and you're able to, you know, establish rules and boundaries, because I think boundaries is a part of sex instantly. If you're having sex with somebody, boundaries need to be set immediately, because like we said before, there is all types of sex. There is all types of intimacy. You know, you have oral sex, you have the physical sex thing don't forget about penetration that's a real thing it has not gone away well okay yeah 
No, you're right. Absolutely not. And that's what I mean when I say boundaries. You know, if you're one of those girls that you're like, I'm not sending no pictures through this phone. I'm not sending you no pictures. That boundary is set from day one. So please don't expect that a month from now, you're going to be able to ask me that question and I'm going to feel differently because if that's my boundary, that's my boundary and you're going to respect it or you're going to get lost. So I think that's a part of safe sex. And then I have to just say the obvious protection, condoms, um, um, what you call it? sorry, birth control, you know, that right there, contraception is the biggest part of a female's um, sexual experience. Because if you're one of those girls where you don't really care if he's using a condom or not, you need to at least know that your contraception is protecting you from possibly contracting a baby. Like, you're going to get a baby. You ain't contracting no STD only. You got a baby now. You risking everything when you're not actually on birth control and i will be the first one to admit it you don't want to do that please don't do it i'm telling y'all young girls now don't be ashamed to go to your mom if you're having sex with your boyfriend or your friend whatever they don't even have to be your boyfriend if you're having sex and you're not using condoms as protection don't be afraid go to planned parenthood i think planned parenthood is a A great great space for young girls who don't have parents to go to you don't have the good the best health insurance go to planned parenthood please 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 young girls it's so important i must say this a thousand times over go to planned parenthood you're near his doctor's office the nearest clinic and get some form of birth control they get delivered to your house now girls they get delivered to your front and door and if it's not safe i will never forget right. i i signed my own name on a piece of paper for one of my friends to get birth control i will never forget it because she knew her mom was gonna flip off the handle if she saw that on the insurance bill and her mom was that type of mom. She would look at the insurance bills to see what doctor's visit she's mm-hmm. had. And she was terrified, but she did not want to get pregnant. And I did not blame her. And so I signed my name on the paper for her to get some birth control. I don't care. Yes, I did. Right at Planned Parenthood. And I just want all the young girls to understand that birth control is not a bad thing. I don't care who tells you. You might gain a little weight. You might get an extra few pimples. But if you're not ready to have that baby, baby girl. Oh. Go get your birth yes. control. I'm gonna leave it at that because I'll start preaching about um, birth control. <laughs> Maybe we'll have like another episode about Ooh. this one. But um, any yeah. last you know comments that you guys want to say before we wrap this up? You know, I think just this was time great. that sometimes you feel like you can't keep up with what's happening. But we have to stay on top of it, if not for ourselves, for the younger generation. Because when I think about how old we're getting, we're getting up there in age. People might think like, oh, 24, 25, 26, but uh, we're close to 30. And now you have these young kids coming up under us. And it's our job to correct what our older generation didn't correct for us. So if we're seeing these broken cycles Mm -hmm. and broken patterns and lack of education and we can identify it, We're not doing enough by identifying it. We have to work hard to make sure that these kids are sexually safe, educated, and prepared because it's not slowing down. People are just getting smarter about how they introduce it to our kids. And so we have to stay a step ahead, if not neck and neck with them, so we can properly prepare them and stop associating sex with fear. That's really what I have to say about it. Mm-hmm. And and just to end it at this point, it's okay if you're experiencing sexual desire, sexual, you want a sexual favor. It's okay because sex is a part of life and there's nothing to be ashamed of. The, the most important thing is to just be safe Absolutely. while you're doing it. If you're having sex, 
that's your business. I ain't going to tell you not to do what you need to do. But be safe about it because when you're not safe, bad things happen. And some of those things are permanent, whether it's a, a CD that you can never get rid of or it's a baby. They don't go away. They don't. They don't. They, don't. they cry. They pee on you. Oh, my they God. You. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, <laughs> listen, okay? Absolutely. Just be safe, yo. Just be safe. Boys, girls, men, women. It goes all the way up the chain, honestly. It's not just for young people. That goes all the way up to grown-ass adults. Yeah, be all safe. my grown hoes. Please. I need to get it together. <laughs> no, for real, because all of y'all anyway. don't keep it right either, so. Yeah. And y'all too grown okay. to be like that. But you know what? That's neither here nor there. That's a whole nother episode. But anyway... And we need we need to talk we need to get an episode about um you know sexual um health especially not just sex but health okay. you know women okay, keeping okay. their yeah, balance back right and all that so please bring me back. I'm, I'm gonna be ready be your, no problem <laughs> no problem right in my schedule right now but thank you everybody for coming okay. in and tuning in to this episode I told you I was gonna be a good one I told you I had some two excellent excellent brilliant women to have partake in this conversation and y'all know they went in and they probably ripped half of y'all a real new one because you know it is what it is and that's how life works okay um so i want you guys to look out for them check out their page um drop all your social media handles um so they could follow you guys go ahead go it is at underscore underscore make sure y'all follow us we are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, so it's at underscore, underscore, Coffee and Chaos. And make sure you follow them on Instagram. Make sure y'all go tune in. Um, you guys no, because we're Twitter illiterate. No, Come on, don't do, that. We, don't do that. We, <laughs> don't do that. You, you got to help us. We need we your help. Them everything, but definitely check them out on Instagram and check them, them on all streaming platforms. They're big. They're getting there. They're about to blow. So just make sure you check them out. I'm so proud of these girls. I'm so, so, so proud of them. I'm glad that they're a part of my creative community. And you know that I love the show love. So make sure you check them out. Check out... Um, the next couple episodes that I have, I have a booked week, guys. So you're going to have, like, back-to-back shit. So look up for that shit. Um, you can look for my page at Ricky Mary Jane on Instagram. And all my other social media handles is on there. Remember, that's my personal one. And the page is Shade With Your T. The E is a three. And thank you for tuning in. Remember, every Wednesday is the Shade um, Shady Bunch Day. And um, spread love. I don't know what else to tell you guys. We stuck in quarantine. So, you know, it is what it is, you know? All right. Be safe. Bye, Bye guys.